0: This morning, my mind is burdened with a lesson from Ephesians chapter 2, and I'd like to begin reading in Ephesians chapter 2, one of the epistles that our beloved Apostle Paul wrote under divine inspiration, and he would say in verse 1, and you, now he's referring to the church at Ephesus, made up of God's children. And he's saying, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. The word quickened in this verse means to make alive. And you hath he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And I think the same could be said of this congregation this morning. All of us by nature... once dead in trespasses and sin and only God could quicken us or give us spiritual life if you came here today to this house of God to worship God out of the sincerity of your heart that's incredible evidence that you have been made alive that you have been born again that you've given a spiritual hunger for God and for worship and it's only God that can quicken those who are dead in trespasses and sin. You know, we live in a world, a broken world, where there is a lot of evil. And I don't need to spend much time elaborating on that fact. If you know anything about history, you know the history of the human race has been full of evil. The 20th century witnessed two world wars, millions of people slaughtered, great evil. There's evil in our world today. Where does all of that evil come from? Well, it doesn't come from God. The Bible says in Psalm 103, for the Lord is good. How many of y'all believe God is good? Everything about him is good. And when God created the heaven and the earth in Genesis chapter 1, he said it's good. It was all good. There were no tornadoes, hurricanes, droughts, famines, floods. No cancer. They didn't have a long prayer list in the Garden of Eden about people who were sick. None of that. Where did all of that come from? That came from the disobedience of man and the influence of Satan in our world. And it continues until this hour. Evil is present. But now the question this morning is, where does all the good come from? And I want to say, I believe there's a lot of good in our world today. You can just see it everywhere if you have eyes to see. Now, some of us are prone to just look at the evil. But I want to tell you, you are blessed if you can see the good that is in this world today. Now, where does that good come from? Well, let's read on. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Paul is again referring to these Ephesian church members. In, in the past, they walked according to the course of this world, which was evil. And beloved, the apostle himself, before God dealt with him in grace, was a very evil man. He was going about persecuting the church. And he was on his way to Damascus, after having done all the damage he could to the Christian church in Jerusalem. He had gotten permission to go to Damascus to arrest people like you and me for no greater sin than worshiping Jesus. And he was going to bring them back to Jerusalem and have them prosecuted, put in jail, or executed. And before God dealt with him, his name was Saul, Saul of Tarsus. And he actually held the coats of those who stoned Stephen to death. Y'all remember that? They put Stephen, a deacon in the church, in a stone pit, and they picked up heavy stones and hurled them at him and killed him. And Saul approved of it. He held their garments. You know, when you're going to throw stones, you'd pull off your outer garment. Paul held their cloak, their their garments, while they stoned him to death. Saul was a wicked man by nature. He was a Pharisee. Outwardly, he thought he was great. But inwardly, he was an evil man. But on his way to Damascus, a miracle took place. Jesus appeared to him on the Damascus Road, and he fell down on the ground. And he said, Lord, who art thou? And, and Jesus said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And right then and there, I believe this man was quickened or made alive. And God called him by his grace to be a preacher of the gospel. Now, where would we be today without God's grace in our lives? It wouldn't be very pretty, would it? I mentioned, I think, in this meeting about John Newton, who wrote our classic hymn, Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I heard a woman one time on TV singing that, and she sung it this way. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a soul like me. And I thought, that's not the original version. (laughs) What's she doing changing the word from wretch to soul? The pastor came out and explained that we think it's just too demeaning to human beings to refer to ourselves as wretch. (laughs) Well, Paul referred to himself as a wretch. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. Not that I was, but that I am. We're still wretched in our human sinful nature. How many of y'all have to deal with a sinful nature? It's with us all the time, isn't it? And Paul had that. So Newton wrote amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And John Newton lived in England, but he was a slave trader. He went to Africa and bought human beings and brought them back and sold them like animals. And he was a wicked man. It was said that his profanity was so bad in the taverns of England that the harlots would blush. What changed that man? Would you like to have had that job? I want to tell you who changed him. And that was the God of heaven and earth. He was quickened. He was made alive by the sovereign voice of the Son of God. And you hath he quickened. Well, the same happened to Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road. And the same happened to me when I was about 13, 14 years old. When, one time there in the community where I grew up, a young preacher was with me and we went into a restaurant that I hadn't been in in a long time. I'd lived away for a long time. And this lady runs the restaurant, her name is Annie Merle. And I walked in there with this pastor friend of mine and she looked at me and she said, are you Sammy? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, they tell me you're a preacher now. And I said, yes. She said, well, I couldn't believe it when I heard it. She said, you are the meanest boy on our school bus. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, my pastor friend was enjoying every second of this. So I said to Annie Merle, I said, Annie Merle, have you ever heard that song, Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. She said, yes. I said, that's my song. (laughs) It's grace, isn't it? So let's notice Now, what the apostle says here in chapter 2 and verse 4, but God, listen to that, but God, who is rich in what? In mercy. And I live on his mercy. (laughs) But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love. I love that. Great love. Incomprehensible love. For his great love wherewith he loved us, when? When we got right and got sweet as angels? No, he loved us even when we were dead in sin. Hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved. I love that. The mercy and the grace of God and the great love of God. He loved us when we were dead in sin. And his love is unconditional. You don't earn his love. His love is perfect. It is unending and it is unconditional. He loved us when we were dead in sins and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I think that's talking about when our Lord Jesus was raised up and went back to heaven. We went back with him representatively. So, you know, representative, you and I are already in heaven. (laughs) Now, we're still on earth in these bodies, but we're sure to be there someday by His grace. Now, let's come down to verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's look at these verses for a while this morning, and may the Holy Spirit bless me and bless you as we look into the sacred scriptures. For by grace are ye saved. You know what grace is? Grace is an unmerited favor. I love the acronym GRACE, G-R-A-C-E. It means God's riches at Christ's expense. You and I are going to heaven someday to enjoy the riches of God at the expense of His Son, Jesus Christ, who left heaven and came to earth and bore our sins in His own body and paid for them in full with His precious blood. For by grace are ye saved, through faith. Now, whose faith is this? Well, I personally believe the apostle is talking about the faithfulness of God. And let me tell you this morning, the Bible does talk to us about the fact that God has faith. And whose faith is God in? It's not in us. It's in his son, Jesus Christ. And God the Father trusted His Son to come into this world and save those that He gave Him in a covenant before the foundation of the world. For by grace are ye saved, not through your faithfulness, not through your belief, but by His faithfulness. And that not of yourselves, it is what? The gift of God. Did you know eternal life is a gift? It is a gift. Let's say, I've got a watch here this morning, and you needed a watch, and I saw that you needed a watch, and I gave you my watch, but I said, that'll be $10. Is that a gift? No, that's not a gift. If you have to pay one dime for it, it's not a gift. I want to declare to you all this morning, eternal life is a gift. The wages of sin is death. You and I are going to draw our wages someday because we're all going to die. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You're not earning your way to heaven. You're not doing anything in order to deserve to go to heaven. It's a gift. And so the apostle would say, for by grace are ye saved. Through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works now listen to this, not of works, lest any man should boast. Beloved, if you and I were working our way to heaven, we'd have something to boast about, wouldn't we? I could say, hey, to those down there, y'all should have done like I did. <laughs> if y'all had have behaved and done like I did, you'd be up here with us. No, we're not going to heaven by our works, not of works. Why? Lest any man should boast. Let me tell you, beloved, there'll be no boasting in heaven. When we get to heaven, you know what we're going to do? We're going to praise and worship and adore Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's going to have all the glory. Right, right. I appreciated what Queen Elizabeth said uh, sometime before she died. What was it, last year? She said, I wish I could live till Jesus comes back and take my crown and lay it at his feet. How many of y'all this morning, if he was here in this house today, in his body, how many of us would just love to get up and rush up here where he is and bow down before him and wash his feet with our tears? Oh, I would. How many of y'all would? Well, we can't do that today because he's back in heaven. And I don't blame him. The way he was treated down here, I don't blame him going back to glory. But when you and I get up there with him, we're going to have that privilege to worship him and adore him and praise him. And he'll get all the glory and all the praise and there'll be no boasting in heaven. Preachers won't be going around saying, well, I have a bunch of folks get up here. No, he gets all the glory. Because he did it all on the cross. There, lest any man should boast. Boasting is very unbecoming in the life of a child of God saved by grace. Would you all agree with that? And you know, God has a way of keeping us all humble. Anytime you get a little proud or boastful, He'll bring somebody or something along that'll help you bring you down. I heard recently about a little boy ask his daddy who was kind of boastful. He said, Daddy, did you have to go to church when you were a little boy? And his daddy said, every Sunday I was there. And the little boy said, I bet you it doesn't do me any good either. (laughs) The big man came down a notch. Listen, beloved, don't be boasting. In the presence of a sovereign, eternal being, self-existent, The great I am. You know, God doesn't have any birthdays like we celebrated yesterday. God's not getting old. He's not getting forgetful. He is the eternal I am who has all power, who spoke the universe into existence, and he did it just right. And he was pleased with it. And it's still a beautiful earth, isn't it? I love to come up here and see the Atlantic Ocean. Did you know nature is still praising God like it was intended? The heavens declare His glory and the firmament shows His handiwork and they're doing it 24-7. I'll spend about 30-40 minutes up here this morning trying to declare His glory but did you know the heavens declare His glory all the time and the firmament shows His handiwork. All nature is praising Him. But I want to look now at... The question I mentioned a little earlier, where does all the goodness come from that we see in the world? And I tell you, it's here. The news media doesn't cover it much. Most of the media doesn't even consider good things as news. Sometimes they'll try to close out a 30-minute or hour's broadcast with a little nice story, but most of it is just all the bad that's in this world. And there's plenty of that to cover. But I want to tell you this morning, there's a lot of good in this world. You all have been good to me ever since I've known you. People have been good to me all the days of my life. God has been blessing me through people for many, many, many years. Now, notice what the apostle says here in verse 10. For we are his workmanship. I love that. We are God's workmanship Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now Paul is saying that God has worked in us. He is the workman and uh, we are his workmanship and we are created in Christ Jesus unto what? Unto good works. You and I were called by grace, born of the Holy Spirit, to go around on this earth doing good works. What is our real purpose on earth today? Well, we all have different jobs and professions, but I want to tell you the main reason you and I are allowed to live on this earth is to go around doing good work. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 that Jesus Christ went about doing good. And as far as I'm concerned, that's one of the greatest commentaries on the life of Jesus Christ on this earth. He just went about doing good. If he saw somebody hungry, he didn't say, God bless you. He just fed them. (laughs) He saw somebody sick, he healed them. He saw somebody grieving, he comforted them. He just went about doing good. Quietly, humbly, without the boasting He just went about doing good. And I tell you, it's wonderful, isn't it? To be around people who just want to go around doing good to others. We're not trying to get even. We don't have any revenge in us. That all belongs to God. We just love people and try to do good to people on this earth. And let me tell you, that good that you and I do is not going to get us into heaven. It's what Jesus did on the cross that will get us into heaven. But let me tell you, he saved us by his grace and quickened us from death and sin to life in Jesus Christ so that we can be a blessing while we're here on this earth. I've seen Annie Merle a few times since that occasion in her little restaurant. And uh, I buy chicken from her every Sunday morning to take to church. (laughs) I'm letting my light shine. You know, I'll share this story with you all this morning. When I was in Africa one time, uh, I'd been in Tanzania for many days, and I'd come back to Salaam to catch a flight, and I stayed in a compound one evening waiting for the flight the next day. And while I was in this compound, I had a meal with a man that sat next to me at the table, and we got to conversing. You know, I love people. I enjoy meeting people. Brother Mike called me Larry King when we were in Africa. (laughs) I don't ever meet any strangers, you know. People are just people. They got interesting stories. So I was sitting there talking to this guy. Well, it turns out he's a Muslim, and he is from Iran. But he had been to London, England to study medicine. He's got his medical degree, and now, out of the goodness of his heart, He has come to Tanzania to labor and work medically among some of the poorest people on the face of this earth, getting no pay for it at all. Just out of the goodness of his heart, he's doing this, a Muslim. And I said to him, I said, I wish you knew about Jesus Christ, what I think I know about him. I think you'd love him. And I wish you could know it, but I said, I believe I'll see you in heaven. And he looked at me and he said, you're the first Christian I've ever met that didn't tell me I was going to hell. That broke my heart. And I said to him, the reason I believe I'll see you in heaven is because I see goodness in you. I see you doing good things to people that can't pay you back. And you know, that is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't come from a sinful nature. No, men in nature are all out there trying to make all they can get and canning all they can make and sitting on the lid of the can and waiting for the undertaker to come and take them away. (laughs) But out of the goodness of this man's heart, he was working to help poor people with their physical ailments. I wish he had known the truth about Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean that God's grace didn't reach him and the Holy Spirit didn't quicken him. I know most of Christianity today would call me a heretic for saying such a thing, but I believe it with all of my heart and soul. You know, the Bible says there will be a people in heaven out of every nation, every language, every people, every tribe on the face of this earth. And when you see goodness in people, beloved, that is an incredible evidence that God has worked in them. They're not dead in sin, they're alive. And I want to encourage all of us today, you have two natures if you've been born again. You've got a sinful nature that's all about you, that loves to boast and brag and sin, but you've got a new nature in you that's from God, that loves God and loves Jesus and loves His people, and you just want to go about doing good. I would encourage all to, to cultivate that new nature that is in you and crucify that old sinful nature. Don't let it get the best of you. And don't do good just when you're being recognized. (laughs) Don't do good like the Pharisee in the temple, you know. He said to God, I fast twice a week. I give alms of all that I possess. And and I'm not an adulterer. I'm not an extortioner. God, just look at me. Aren't you impressed with me, God? (laughs) Aren't you just carried away with me? And then he ends the prayer by looking over the publican in the temple who is bowed down. He won't even look up to heaven. He feels so sinful. And the Pharisee says, and by the way, God, I'm glad that publican is here today so you can see the contrast between me and him. Look at him. I'm so glad I'm not like this man. Now, if anything could make God sick, that would do it. You know what he said to the church at Laodicea when they said we are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing? He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Let me tell you, beloved, you and I don't need to be proud in the presence of an awesome God. Let me me say to anybody in the house today that ever kind of gets carried away with yourself. What if God, and he could do it with his ability. What if he put on a screen up here a, a video of your life? Show every thought that runs through your mind. How many of y'all would be willing to have that played for the church? Aren't y'all glad God fixed us so that nobody knows our thoughts but us? What if we had to wear a screen over our head that printed out every thought we had? There'd be a lot of trouble. (laughs) A lot of trouble, wouldn't there? What if God put up there on the screen every thought you had, every word that came out of your mouth, and every deed you'd ever done? We'd be crawling under the carpet. But he loved us in spite of our sins and gave his son to die for our sins, and Jesus was successful as a Savior. He saved us. And now, while we're on this earth, and we don't have long here, you know, when I look back, the first year I came here with Elder Darty, 1965, I tell you, that doesn't seem like long ago. <laughs> you know, when you're looking out in the future, 10 years can seem like a long time. Looking back, it's just gone like that, isn't it? What is your life? It's but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. So what time we've got, let's try to go about doing good. Are y'all with me today? You say, Brother Sam, what profit is in that? (laughs) A lot. You'll enjoy doing good. Learn to do good and enjoy doing good. Because you see, God has worked in us. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That we should do them. Now that word should doesn't mean we're going to do it by his Power. I mean, that doesn't mean that automatically we're going to do it. That word should basically means we're under obligation to. So if you see somebody in need, uh, if I may, Sister Rhiannon was telling me yesterday about a trip. She and her husband went on a camping trip, and they got in a lot of trouble in California. (laughs) They're stuck. They got a flat tire. No way to change the tire. (laughs) Cell phones aren't working. And a woman comes by in a motor home, and I think she had already prayed that day, the Lord help her to help somebody. And she stopped and helped them. How many times has that happened to you and me? I was on my way one time to Augusta, Georgia, on a hot July day, and had a flat tire. And uh, I, I was all dressed up. I mean, I was dressed up like I am now. I had to get out, pull off my coat, rolled up my sleeves. I was going to get dirty changing that tire. All of a sudden, three boys drive up in an old pickup truck, pull up right behind me. And let me tell you, they didn't look like they were going to church. (laughs) They were a rough-looking bunch. (laughs) And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, I may be, uh, who knows what's going to happen. You know, they got out and said, can we help you? They changed that tire. I couldn't give them a dime. There's goodness everywhere, folks. Not just in church. You and I need to open our eyes to see the goodness of God. And I could stand up here a long time, probably till the sun goes down, just telling you how good God has been to me all the days of my life. And I want to do good. How about y'all? Is it all about you? Is your life all about you and you're doing well, or is it all about God? Now, let me close this morning. My granddaughters are good to count my closings. (laughs) This is the first one. (laughs) It might be the last, who knows, but I have five. (laughs) When it comes to good works, you know one of the best works that you and I can be engaged in is walking down that aisle. And joining the church and saying publicly to everybody here, I love him. He loved me. He died for me. And I want to show my love for him by joining the church. I told you all about the funeral I went to a few days ago. An old uh, veteran, he was a Marine. And he had attended church. His wife was a faithful member. Her name was Grace. But he never joined for a long, long time. And one day the pastor said to him, said, why don't you join the church? He said, I'm not worthy to join. And the pastor said, I know it. <laughs> I know you're not worthy. None of us are. <laughs> but Jesus has made us worthy. And he finally joined the church as an old man. And let me tell you, that funeral I have never in my life, I know this sounds strange, but I've never enjoyed a funeral as much as I enjoyed that one. Now, my heart was sad because I loved Brother Smith. He was a wonderful man, lived to be 89 and a half. But I tell you, the Spirit of God was there. And his family got up and praised him and honored him and, and reviewed a lot of happy memories. And at the graveside, they gave him a military funeral. There were three Marines dressed spotless, one of them playing the taps. Now that always gets me. And then two men, two marines, folded that American flag and they treated it with such respect. Quietly, humbly, respectfully, they folded that flag. They checked it to make sure there were no wrinkles. And one of them went over and bowed down before the sun and said on behalf of a grateful nation, we present this flag to you. Did you know that's a good thing to do? And Brother Smith joined the church late in life, but he wanted to show, I love Jesus. And it was a good thing for him to join the church. And it's a good thing for you all to join the church. Don't tell me how much you love the church until you prove it by joining it, right? A man may say to a woman, I love you, I love you, I love you, but he never proposes. (laughs) What kind of love is that? (laughs) Oh, I love you, honey. One boy was talking to his girl on the phone, said, Honey, I love you so much. I'd swim the Atlantic Ocean just to look in your eyes. I'd climb Mount Everest just to hold your hand. She said, Well, are you coming over tonight? He said, I don't think so. They're forecasting rain. (laughs) Talk is easy. Get up and follow Jesus. Be baptized as he was. You know, it's not far down that aisle. My Savior traveled from Nazareth all the way down to where John was baptizing. And he was baptized to set the example. That's a good thing to join the church. I'll tell you another good thing, and I'll second closing to give thanks to God, just to go around thanking God. Just say it in a restaurant. <laughs> Bow at a table and say, thank you, Father, for this food. We want to live our lives thanking God and praising Him. There was a family out in, I believe in Oklahoma, that lost their farm during a drought. They lost it all. It, was the, it went into bankruptcy. And everybody in the family, the mama, the daddy, the children, were all just depressed. They were going around despondent. And the mother saw what was happening to the family, and it was sad that her whole family was despondent. And she thought, we've got to, we've got to start counting our blessings. So she got a shoebox and wrote on it on the side, Thanksgiving, and she Said, now we're going to start putting things in this box that we're thankful for, and at Thanksgiving, we're going to get it out and read it. Well, the family thought that, that box will be empty. But you know what? That box got their attention. And the first thing was one of the relatives had a healthy baby. And everybody had to write a note about that. We're thankful our cousin had a healthy baby. How, how, what a blessing is it to have a healthy baby in this world. And, and that box just made them aware. So they just started writing down little notes. And when Thanksgiving came, that box was running over. Would your box be running over today? Have you got a complaint box? Now that's one that would run over <laughs> with a lot of people Let's just go about giving thanks. When I start talking about Thanksgiving, I have seen people punch one another in the ribs. (laughs) Let's all take it home today. Let it get in our bloodstream and just learn to be thankful for a beautiful day, for a good soaking rain, for a hug, a kiss, a kind word. Beloved, you have been raised. You have been quickened. You've been given spiritual life. Try to crucify that old nature. Bring it under subjection. And bring your mind, body, and soul under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And just see how this church will be blessed. God bless.